0: Hi everyone, this is Ann Geordie, founder and co-owner of Allume Advising. Today I'd like to welcome all of you, our listeners, to this very special edition of Current, our podcast at Alum. This is the first in a series of weekly conversations that we are having as we all collectively navigate how to move forward and adapt in light of the novel coronavirus, and specifically how it will impact the energy industry and the work that we're doing. I don't need to say this to you, you all know this, that COVID-19 in a matter of weeks has radically changed American lives and has been changing lives across the globe for the past two months. And more than any crisis that I can think of in recent history, this fast moving virus has really shaken our sense of safety and security and well-being, and really changed the way that we move through space and are able to connect with our loved ones, and essentially has collapsed the lines between our work life and our home life. And um, in all of this uncertainty has taken away in some ways the things that we typically lean on, like our ability to connect with one another or give a hug to a sick family member. So wherever you're listening from, and whatever you're doing, I really thank you for taking the time to listen to this. We hope that it provides some food for thought, maybe a little inspiration. And um, we also hope that you and your loved ones are staying safe and that you're spending time and taking time to connect to those you care most about. Today, I'll be joined by the Loom team members of senior leadership as we discuss any number of topics that we're going to be taking on and identifying as things unfold over the coming weeks. Um, we're also going to be providing webinars for our clients, which will take place every Wednesday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific. Um, the webinar format is meant to pick up on our podcast, and we hope that these two formats are both informative and also uh, provide you with an opportunity to stay connected and continue to build community. We miss you all. We wish we could see you, but we're glad that everyone is at home and safe. Um, and it goes without saying, we're recording this from our home offices. And while you can't see our various backgrounds, you might hear the sounds of dogs or children or family members in the background. Um, and you may hear differences in audio quality. Uh, This is going to be par for the course as we send these out, but rather than striving for perfection, we thought it would be better to connect with you. So so here we are connecting. Um, Also, uh, before I jump in, we are going to be uh, holding a webinar April 1st. Um, It's real, not an April Fool's Day webinar, an actual webinar entitled If, When, and How to Conduct Research in a Time of Crisis, and that's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. If you're interested in joining, we'll get you connected to that. We have our registration link on our LinkedIn page, on our Instagram page, and if you don't have Instagram, you can jump onto our website and find content. Um, And we'll get you connected however you need to be connected to us. And so now without further ado, um, I'd love to introduce the team that um, I've had the pleasure of collaborating with as we've built out our communications and um, thought about more ways to connect with you all. Um, so first we have Laura Showers, a, a principal at Ellume. Laura is watching every activity within Ellume and I think anyone uh, who knows our company would say that and um, you know, and more. So Laura, thank you for joining. We also have Dr. Liz Kelly um, joining us. She's our technical director for qualitative research and has Many creative and thoughtful ways to think about engaging and thinking about understanding the social world um, in this moment. And we'll be lending some of that insight. We also have Amanda Dwelly, who's a technical director for quantitative research at Alum, and has also been visibly on every single webinar that's out there and, and reading legislation and paying attention to what's going on in the world and how we're measuring things and I'm excited to have her perspective. And last but not least, Jess Revitz, who's our Senior Managing Director at Alum, Jess has her hands like Laura in almost all of Alum's activities and is also, um, like our entire team on this call, very clutch in um, our day-to-day operations. So thank you all for joining our podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. But before we jump into the questions that I have for you, I would love to start the conversation by very quickly going around the room, so to speak, and taking the temperature. So how are you all doing?
1: today? ah, This is Laura. I'm doing great. It's sunshining in Wisconsin. It's probably been a full week since we've seen the sunshine. So on this great day, I'm doing great. Um, and just really appreciating the focus and being able to be here today. We're glad to have and you. And hello, everyone. Oh, <laughs> hello, everyone. This is Jess. I'm feeling okay. Um,
2: We are just taking it one day at a time in our house. Um, And today, like Laura, I feel really grateful to be a part of this conversation. And I would feel very grateful to receive some of that sunny weather here in Portland. We're in
0: um, consecutive weeks of super rainy weather. Mm, That's tough. It's tough. Well, welcome, Jess.
3: This is Amanda, I'm in Maine where we're getting a slushy, snowy, mixed day. I'll take this on as well. Um, I think I was doing well getting into a new routine, but, you know, do have some family things that I'm sure everyone is weighing right now. I have a 95-year-old grandfather who's alone um, in his home in Connecticut. He's been very good at self-isolating, but he's getting very, very bored. In um, Connecticut, as you might know, is um, a very hard hit state right now, and is going to be short on hospital beds soon. Um, he wants to travel by himself to Maine, um, where um, the case count is currently somewhat low, though um, growing exponentially. Um, And then, you know, interact with our family who has not been as good at quarantine and self-isolating. So really trying to figure out what to do with that specific scenario. And I really wish there were a hotline or helpline to call to have someone um, help weigh the pros and cons and risks of something like that.
0: Yeah, it's tough. That is very tough. Um, And Liz, how are you doing? Oh, I got dropped. I was on? why I dialed in. Go ahead, How are you?
4: (laughs) I'm um, doing okay. I'm in the DC area um, on the Virginia side, and I'm—we are having some sunny weather that I would love to share with (laughs) those of you in cloudy and uh, snowy, rainy places. Um, And the cherry trees are beautiful and Uh in bloom. It's gorgeous. Um, But our governor just ordered a stay-at-home order this afternoon, and you know one of the things I it was interesting for me because on the one hand I was like my experience of this as a researcher and as a person I was like not surprised and sort of expected it but then still hit with it and felt really sad to hear this but also of course like glad that public health things are uh, being enforced um, and also really confused because when I was looking at this, I thought, but isn't this what we were supposed to be doing anyway and where does, like, just feeling really confused about the guidance and what the differences, these differences between um, recommendations versus uh, an, an order and lockdown versus shelter in place versus stay at home versus safer at home, and there's all these, this language that's circulating and a lot of un- lack of clarity, and like Amanda, I wish there was some sort of um, way to understand and navigate this. So I feel like probably a lot of people in the country right now. Though so very grateful that I'm healthy and my immediate family are okay. So
0: yeah. Well, thank you all for joining. I'm very grateful that you all are healthy and well and um, have found our team and the Alum team really to be um, very inspiring and a, like some light amidst all of this insanity that we're all trying to wrap our arms around right now. Um, so with that, let's jump into some of the questions that we have. So there's been a lot of discussion in this industry right now on how to proceed in light of COVID-19. Um, we are finding that contractors and our precious trade ally networks are trying to figure out how to keep the lights on in their businesses as we have social distancing. And we have a number of utilities um, and folks at utilities working around the clock to make sure that customers are cared for. And um, there are any number of challenging conversations or questions that we're being faced with. But if you had to think about which conversations have been the most challenging for you, what would those be? And similarly, just to infuse a little light into the
1: conversation, what
0: have been the most hopeful for you?
1: So, Ann, this is Laura. I'll go first on this. Um, Friday was co- going to the challenge, challenging portion of it, and it's not really the conversation I've necessarily had, but it's more listening and being a wall, a fly in the wall and listening to the conversations that I think has been really challenging. I sat on um, two statewide discussions, big forums on Friday, one in Michigan and one in New York, and um, they were so enlightening um, for a couple different reasons. One was um, how different the states are. I thought the conversation was so different um, between the two. Um, the one in Michigan was very focused on um, the utilities and what they're doing and how they're doing it. And then in New York, it was a lot of the contractors were on the phone and describing how uh, their business has been affected. Um, and just listening across the board and, and processing how real this is in everyone's life. It just hit home for me in a um, a big way and how um, personal lives are being affected. You know, in our job, we tend to, even though we're really on the ground with customers and we're researching them and surveying them, oftentimes it feels, um, it can be a desk job because we're, you know, behind a camera <laughs> or behind a computer and working behind that computer. So really, really, listening and processing how this is affecting people and 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 how we don't know where it's going to end that just hit home for me um on the lighter side though what i loved so much is uh, a couple things one was the creativity that this is bringing out everyone's brainstorming and there just doesn't seem to be a competition around it you know even though everyone and all these contractors are you know competitors in many ways um everyone's collaborating and our industry is so well known for that, but really to hear it and to hear the creativity that's coming out of it is amazing. And I think, um, we'll probably get to that later, but, um, secondly, really, um, really just seeing how much people are caring about each other and trying to surround each other. That was also wonderful. So the, I'll stop there, but those were some of the um, takeaways that I had.
3: I can talk a little about, um, the, you know, some of the questions in the air about customer communications. Um, this question of when it will be appropriate to talk to customers again about energy and what the message or tone should be. Um, I think we're seeing, you know, most utilities have already sent out communications about suspending disconnections, um, starting to send communications about bill payment and assistance. I think in the short term, many customers are definitely going to care more about payment options than making upgrades to lower their energy use in the next few months. And as we've all seen, there's basically been a discontinuation of any communications not related to those kind of core services. So I think one question is whether, you know, any of our prior kind of business as usual communications and energy efficiency messages will be appropriate or whether they really need an overhaul. I had an interesting conversation about the Home Energy Report program last week. um, We set up a call to discuss how to modify or tweak the Home Energy Report content and messaging for the spring cycle, um, knowing that we needed to acknowledge what people are experiencing, especially um, that a lot of people's bills are gonna increase in the short term. They're gonna see higher bills, have questions about those bills, and wanna acknowledge those circumstances. So we started off assuming we could find enough content to tweak that the reports could be appropriate. However, when we really started looking at the nature of the reports, um, the, types of comparisons in messaging in there, you know, those reports are designed to make people feel a little bit uncomfortable about their energy use so that they want to save energy, we did really start to question whether any of the content is appropriate or whether um, they really needed a completely different communication piece right now or really just to defer to corporate communications and hold off. I think it also highlighted how important it is for, you know, different departments to be united and kind of um, in line with corporate communications at this time to make sure there's a consistent message and it's kind of focused on um, services and assistance first. Um, Similar to Laura, I think in terms of, um, you know, hope and opportunities, I, I was on similar calls last week and I'm also part of um, a local building science meetup group with um, local builders and contractors. And throughout all of these calls, um, I think one thing that's coming through is genuine care for employees. Everyone wants to keep our workforce employed, keep their workers employed, and are really thinking about some, um, you know, really creative ideas, short-term and medium-term to help people, you know, start up working again as soon as
0: it's safe to do so thank you Amanda I really appreciate that Um so moving on to another question that I have for you all that's been weighing heavily on our team um, because it does affect our core business which is you know thinking about social distancing and the impact that that's had on our research and um, much of what we're doing is moved and we kind of shifted course and in some cases we've stopped um, just out of sensitivity to the regions in which we're working but there are also in some ways so many questions we would like to have answered or things that we could answer in this moment that would be really beneficial to our industry so if i were to pose that to you uh, are there are there questions you wish you could have answered right now if you could sensitivities aside ask folks, anything that might help our industry, what would you ask? What would you want to know?
4: I, this is Liz, Um, I have a lot of questions, I think, but also just a lot of, you know, I would want to provide, as Amanda pointed out, I think a lot of the utilities are um, corporate communications and communications have been really on point in terms of messaging around uh, not disconnecting and um, suspending disconnections and just providing that reassurance. So I think more than like there's a part of me that would just want to um, sort of provide reassurance and so so the questions would be around what do people need, like what kind of reassurance would help um, support people through this moment and what resources do they need and um, what what are their questions. So I'd want to know that. I think we did a study a couple of years ago um, around home and people's perception of home and understanding of energy in their homes. And people talked a lot about how their homes were spaces of sanctuary. They used the word sanctuary and um, described them in terms of being places of comfort and safety and relaxation. And I think in this moment, I'm Curious if that remains and and home becomes even more a place of safety because it really literally is the only place where you feel perhaps control and that you can stay safe, um, or if that sense of sanctuary shifts as people don't feel that they can leave and there might be feelings of of being trapped, um, and and I think that there, this is another question and not really a question for our industry but I think I'm you know not everyone's relationship to home people sometimes there's people who are. House, like insecure in housing um but or situations of domestic violence. So home what home means for people um isn't always the same. And so just thinking through those dynamics um and how to support people through this uh, really challenging moment
2: this is Jess and I I so feel so aligned with Liz and and where her questions lie. I think um if I could know anything in this moment, I think it would, you know, start with wanting to understand how people are really feeling right now, um, where their biggest pain points are, you know, daily or weekly. Um, and what, if anything brings them comfort, I think that would be really beneficial to hear from them. And I think Liz got at that, like in terms of reassurance, um, I think I'd also be so curious to understand where they're getting information from and um, where they feel like there might be communication. I think Liz's, um, you know, uh, personal story at the beginning of this chat about um, be feeling a little confused about what her statewide, you know, shelter-in-place order means coming after the federal guidance. I think there is a lot of confusion. Um, I know here in Oregon, we received a shelter in place last week. And I think we felt similarly confused even about what was and wasn't included in that order in terms of what businesses would remain open and what wouldn't. Um, So I'd be really interested to know um, where, where customers are getting information from. And, and again, like where there might be holes in that communication, because I think that's a place where um, our utilities can, I think, Um, continue to lean in and provide um, what they've always been so good to provide which is kind of consistency Um, if it's somewhat out of sight and out of mind it's it's consistent and it's there Um, but yeah as a second tier to that not to be super redundant to Liz I do think it'd be interesting to understand how this entire experience will change our relationship to our built environment um, both in terms of comfort and safety um, but also what it isn't providing. Um, And then, you know, that extends, our built environment extends to the infrastructure that enables it. And, you know, one of the large things that I know is a differentiator in this time is people's access to um, internet. And I just really would want to understand for those who do not have that at all or consistently how they're making do, um, because I just think that is such a tremendously different
0: experience. You're both um, I mean, absolutely right, of course, Jess and um, Liz. This moment is really causing us to, to understand our environments differently, but also the resources that we have available to us and bringing those things, those disparities into focus, very clear focus. Um, you know, as we think about learning in this moment in ways that we might be able to learn from the public, Are there ways that you would recommend to our clients or to others who are interested in learning in this moment um, to uh, ways you would recommend gathering insights without directly contacting people remaining sensitive to maybe that contacting them isn't the best time but how might we learn from people through other means or other ways.
4: That's such a great question. Um, and we have um, a couple of thoughts and different ideas. So for instance, we've looked at social media scans and Twitter analysis. Um, and so it's possible to do a sentiment analysis or a topic analysis of what topics are trending on Twitter um, around the utilities or around other um, topics of interest. And we've done this around hurricanes and other in other moments. Um, so. I think that would be one place to start um, as people are uh, posting on social media. I think there's also a lot um, potentially to learn from call center staff who are fielding calls. And so to the extent to which the utility um, can, you know, investigate, our clients could investigate what their CSRs are hearing, um, or the questions that are coming in through online kind of support and, and, um, other, other feedback mechanisms. Um, and we've also heard that CAMS on the commercial side, the key account managers are working, um, are and still in touch with their customers to connect their customers about what their needs are and how they're doing. And I, um, so I think that there's a lot of um, opportunities to to gather from the second like secondhand work that um, utility staff or um, implementers are are continuing to engage in.
3: Yeah, that's a great point, Liz. Um, how do we, you know, the camps are probably working really hard right now, talking with their customers. How do we make it easy for them to share? what they're hearing um, to a broader audience. Um, Yeah, and I do think, you know, there's a hesitation to do surveys right now, but I also think um, there's a huge need or urge for people to share and express their experience. We're all processing massive changes, and everyone's individual experiences vary so much. So in some cases, there might be a value in providing a for feedback and discussion, um, I think the tension it raises is what does that you know um, do in terms of expectations? Does cr- providing a platform for that discussion set up an expectation that you'll be able to deal with it or address it? Um, and that is a big question. Um, thinking about other lower impact methods. Um, I think, you know, one thing I heard is um, one utility said that marketplace product sales have increased in some categories, which is really interesting. So I'd be interested, you know, among utilities that have a marketplace, what product categories have increased or decreased. And what does that say about people's priorities right now. Um, I do think with all the corporate communications going out, um, email, social media outreach. Um, there's opportunities for feedback in almost every outbound communication. I mean, surveys, you know, are one kind of discrete thing, but there's lots of email providers that um, you can embed a really simple thumbs up or rating scale actually within the body of the email that says something like, how are we doing? You, you know, you might have seen these in airline emails, um, which could be just a simple pop-up for a new window with a really basic feedback question. Um, these are just simple opportunities to learn and engage with customers at all touch points. Um, I do think, you know, just trying to think of other avenues where people might be having challenging or frustrating experiences and want to give feedback. I mean we we expect that people are going to see pretty high bills next, next month and might go quickly to the website. For the phone lines to try to get answers. Um, How is the website designed? Is it really designed for that use case right now? Is it really designed for people trying to figure out um, bill assistance and payment options for this specific situation? And then thinking about feedback on the website, um, is it time to elevate some of the embedded, embedded feedback tools that are typically kind of hidden on a website um, or use the website to pose a short how are you doing question or survey that shows customer care um, and have some, you know, pulse questions of, of what customers care about and what they're looking for?
0: Great, those are excellent ideas and I really appreciate the thought that you both have put into this and I'm going to quickly plug a a memo that we circulated earlier that provides even more thinking around this and more um, more suggestions as to ways that we can continue to learn and hopefully improve from these really critical moments um, as difficult and as trying as they are and certainly this is the most unprecedented for I think all of us on this call in terms of what we've experienced, but um, but certainly opportunities to learn, which begs another question entirely that I'd like to direct to Laura, which is, you know, COVID nineteen um, hit fast and has been dually disruptive, both to public health and our sense of well being and physical well being, but also to the economy. Um, are there any industry equivalents that you've seen um, or you know events in the past such as natural disasters or the recession or 9-11 that might offer a roadmap to understanding the public's needs without um, creating undue burden to customers
1: um it's it's such a good question and actually something i was thinking about just this weekend and talking to my husband about um, and it it didn't strike me until um it, it didn't strike me until then as I was thinking about this, how similar the response and the impact on our business 9-11 was um, to this. And I just remember that morning so well, I was actually a pretty new analyst at the time, just started in the industry uh, about three years previous to that. But a lot of our work was uh, related to research And I just remember coming into the office after watching everything go down and all of us staring at each other going, what are are we going to do? What does this mean? Like, how do we call people today when we are in such a moment of crisis and fear and how long is that going to last? And I mean, where I worked was fundamentally evaluation and research. All our work surrounded that. And, um, and it was a day of a new normal for us. I mean, for our entire country and everything. Um, but what I did find reassuring is I was thinking back to that cause there's this moment of while we're in the moment, how is this going to relate to our world? How's this going to relate to our clients? How's this going to relate to business? It took time, but it did, it did there. Even though there are a new normal, we did get back. We did come back and, um, so to me, that was reassuring as I was thinking through it this weekend. Um now maybe it'll be a different time scale, <laughs> and we have a whole lot of other issues at play here, but I was um that yeah, that is the biggest one that I could think of that was most relevant to what we're going through today.
0: Thanks, Laura. I have a question to follow up on that that you may or may not be able to answer, admittedly which is do you recall the decision making around it like you know as a as a leader in, in a, at a loom i'm often i often think about what it means to make decisions yeah. under crisis right and and how it shapes what we do when we move forward but also what information we're using what we're considering how we are um, scanning our environment to put our best foot forward under yeah. uncertain conditions and i'm curious to know if what you observed or what um what you saw that helped to lead you guys forward at that time as a as a young analyst (laughs)
1: uh i mean it's very similar to what we've been talking about internally at Illum, honestly and i do remember it so clearly um because we were part of i was part of a lot of those conversations and if first and foremost it was about our people it was about the people that were affected how can we respect them in their space and um And the answer at that moment says we stopped contacting them because their concerns right now has nothing to do with um, their fleets or nothing to do with energy efficiency or nothing to do with um, rebates that they received or at the time we were serving people about um, hunting. So none of that seemed relevant. And we, we just made the decision even before our clients had stopped just to stop calling and to wait and see. And I think that moment of pause was really helpful because it allowed us to all um, get together with our clients and really think about it, make sure we took the time to put people first um, before business in that space. And and eventually, um, I remember we did a lot of check-ins with them and it took a, a few weeks, but once kind of that moment, that that peak, um, started to subside and people started moving forward with their lives even in that new normal, then we knew it felt right that we could keep going. And it, I remember that moment of trepidation of getting up to, on the phone and making that first phone call, and like, oh my gosh, are we really bothering people? Is this right? But um, we were able to naturally, as we felt the pulse of things, we were able to naturally move it back into work and it was good.
0: Good. That's that's reassuring to hear. Um, and it's also... Nice to hear your perspective, looking back. Um, and you've, you've called on a term that we are all using lately and asking ourselves, what is this new normal? Is, is this social distancing our new normal? Will I forever be sanitizing everything I touch? Will, um, will I be thinking about my health and my family's health and my community's health differently from now on? Um, thinking about um, our work and um, how we're working right now and I'm going to give this to Jess um, to answer. Is um, you know, do you think that any of these shifts represent a new normal for our work? Does it, are there things that have fundamentally changed?
2: Gosh, you know, it's a really good question. I, I certainly hope we won't all be disinfecting everything forever. Um, but but no, seriously, I I think it's it's an important question. I I. I feel reticent to call it the new normal, but I feel that what it has pointed out to us, this experience, is how completely interconnected we are and how our best path toward resiliency um, as a world and as a community and even in our niche industry is, I think, through diversity. So I think what's been stunning to watch is Utilities have to pause entire programs that simply because they relied on in-person contact, Um, having to watch our contractors and trade allies um, lose all or nearly all their capacity to work for similar reasons, and and now watching them on the brink of being able to maintain their workforce I I don't know, I mean, I I would like to think that we'll return to something close to where we were at before, but I guess I would hope that we also take with us the hard lessons learned of um, what over-reliance maybe on one modality can create for us and that maybe what we ought to bring forward with us is a a, a diversified view of how we can provide the services, we provide a diversified way to um, really every aspect of that and a diversification of our actual offerings so that we can still be doing the important work we need to do when another catastrophic event occurs.
0: That's an excellent insight, Jess, the, the idea of diversity as, as the form of resilience and uh, often we talk in the form of redundancy as resilience, but diversity as resilience is an important concept to sit with, and I think that's a really good one to, to hold as we think about uh, moving forward. Um, so in thinking about this moment, do you, as we, you know, when we're thinking about how we're engaging customers, do you see any social value in connecting with the public through research, such as providing an outlet or creating a connection? I've certainly thought to myself, Maybe it's just so normal and mundane that it's valuable precisely because it's not about COVID-19 and it's not about the health of my family. i be curious to know what you think, um, Amanda, as it relates to the value of research at this moment.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah I saw an explosion of customer surveys come out um, after this general population surveys, industry surveys, the contractors Association of America, HVAC, contractor surveys, um, small business surveys. Um, I don't know how happy everyone is to answer those but I know for me it gave me a lot of relief to have some kind of platform and some way to process my thoughts. Um, Everyone is going through incredibly, um, you know, massive um, changes, thoughts, and everyone's individual experiences are so different. Um, I think there is a need and value um, to have a platform for feedback and discussion. I also think there's a lot of confusion about how to ask for and effect change in this environment. You know, we're used to a process of maybe contacting our state or local representatives for something, but in this case, for a question like, you know, what's going to happen to my utility bills? I see they're going to get disconnected. Can the bills be waived? Or can my rent or mortgage be waived? Or, or what's the policy on this? People have no idea who to ask. Um, one of my internet um, rabbit holes the other day was just clicking through change.org petitions after you. Um, put your name against one, you can just really simply do one click signing for a bunch of other things. And then so many of them, it was clear that um, people wanted something in general, but had no idea how to direct their questions or feedback. Um, and, and I'm not saying that utility might be a good way to do that, um, or might have the power to do that, but I think that platform, you know, gives people an outlet. And does, you know, extend a hand in a time of need and, you know, those, those hands that you extend, those people that help you across tough times might be people or companies that you remember and you trust in the future. So that's another thing that might be worthwhile to be that helping hand at this time. Um, you know, I also think um, there is confusion, possibly confusion around um you know, how to address some of the issues that people have. Again, um, when people are going to get back their higher than average bills next month, they are going to be looking for answers and solutions like bill payment arrangements or assistance. Um, and I think that utilities and other state agencies really need to get ahead of this, figure out, um, you know, what the experience will be, maybe do some user testing around it. Um, another issue that might come about there is navigating um, all of the different state agencies and programs that are involved. Um, I was looking at one website the other day about payment assistance, and there was a bulleted list of 11 different um, sites, resources, phone numbers you could call. Um, There's a state emergency relief, which might be managed through health and human services. Um, How do people navigate these things? Um, And then I do think um, in terms of opportunities what 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 opportunities do we have to engage with people at this time when they're really thinking hard about their homes and their bills and their jobs and I think you know maybe if there are people who really do want to have this discussion right now it could be a good um, opportunity or time for co-design and co-creation um, which I think Liz can talk about
4: Thank you, Amanda. Yes, I I agree that there's so much um, opportunity um, and also need for, um, you know, for thinking through what, um, how to support uh, customers and um, as they're going through this really um, challenging time. Um, You know, we have talked in terms of co-creation or what that might look at, thinking about what are the concerns that people have now, how those might continue. Um, so, things around health or um, accessibility, to just point earlier about internet access. Um, and we, we don't at this time have time for uh, sequential or arm's length research and program design and like the kinds of Piloting in a smaller um, at a smaller scale and a longer um, program development cycle, but it may be possible through um, through co-creation of getting customers in a in a room, whether real, unlikely real, but um, probably virtual, and working with prototype materials, testing an experience, testing. Um, providing feedback on messaging, just as Amanda was saying earlier, for instance, with those home energy reports where maybe it does require a really big shift from a message around sort of um, prompting action through reminding, suggesting that customers could do better to a message of, of here's how we can help or um, providing that sort of uh, sense of security. We're not going to disconnect. Um, and here's how to help to save. We know that you're... Um, finances are tight in this moment. Um, so, allowing for that uh, customer feedback for, again, as people as people are interested in participating um, and then creating those messages quickly.
0: That's great. And I think it's, um, it's just interesting to think about the benefits of creating space for people to contribute and to feel like they can give back and you see that happening and certainly Even within a loom, I think these podcasts, the memos we're putting out are helping us scratch that edge, It's helping us have an outlet um, that is constructive and that feels like it's building something and working towards something in a moment where things do feel out of control and that they're not um, something that we can easily manage day to day, but we certainly can manage to put together a podcast, right? That's (laughs) completely within our control and to talk about these things. Let's let's think about this moment um, and project forward a year from here, from where we are now, this time next year. How might we look at the information we gained before COVID-19 and the information we're gaining after? What do you think our our learnings are going to be like? How will they have changed from this moment and into the future?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I was muted and talking away. Um. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I'd like to start, but I I certainly feel like I'll need all of my colleagues to come behind me because I think it's such a a hard question. I think, um, I mean, I guess what I think or maybe hope is that we'll see um, an expansion of the benefits and metrics we capture or we hope for EE to capture and and the metrics we use to track that progress. um, I I hope to see those expand to accommodate additional benefits, more benefits than we've ever tried to make, um, to to account for rather. So going beyond energy and power savings, but also, and and carbon mitigation, and and stretching farther out into things like health, um, uh, and maybe even, you know, connection, you know, broadband connection, other things that just will become, I think, um, I hope meaningful enough that we can, like I said, expand our current framework to accommodate them. I think that's something we'll see. Um, And to my earlier point, I I think also that we will understand that we can't over rely on something um, I think as as long-time evaluator, I felt this way about our over-reliance on, you know, the savings from efficient lighting as something we've kind of um, over-relied on in the past. And I think, again, I'd like to see us just diversify not only the benefits metrics we're using, but also the um, interventions we're bringing to people and the delivery mechanisms we're using so that we can maintain resiliency um, while we suffer through, you know, future disruptive events. Um, So those are some of what I think, I I think Laura might have some other good thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, um, Jess, I am coming up right behind you with the whole um, other benefit (laughs) and thinking um, through that. Cause that to me, that is a really important thing. We've talked for so many years around, You know, we look at all these different silos of how we're operating um, and efficiency for what like, 20 some years now has been in the silo and we've seen it change and yet we're holding on with the really tight grasp um, to it because there's real value in it. But there's value in it from the perspective of a holistic um, societal, a holistic um, climate, um, water, everything perspective is how we need to be thinking about it. Um, and, and like I said, we've been moving this direction in discussions, but something like this is going to force us to move that way in practice. Um, and some of the, one of the other things I'm really hoping for looking pre-COVID-19 and post is that we start looking at what we're doing from um, a perspective of why are we doing this and it has to have a purpose and it needs to meet a need and what is that and allow ourselves the creativity and hopefully have the policy structure to, to um, be able to do that um and some of the conversations that i've heard around the you know creative way how can we serve our constituents how can we integrate health and safety how important is indoor air quality in the scheme of what we're doing now can we fund that even though that cost effectiveness might not be an issue or might not be there for it um, i'm hoping that our mindset changes even just a little bit moving forward um, so that we can start thinking um, systemically about why we're doing what we're doing and um and using funds for that um and I did have one more thought that it was really important to me but clearly I have lost it <laughs> in my own head <laughs> um so then I will leave it at that and
0: <laughs>
1: Laura and Josh. Amanda, I think,
3: you know yeah what you what you've both both Okay, let me start over. Laura and Jess, I think that what you've both brought up about changing the metrics, um, looking at a whole different set of benefits, has really been on my mind a lot as well. I've really been, well, we've all been thinking about how this renewed focus on health and well-being is going to shape the industry. Um, and actually, that's the focus of what we'll be writing about this week and having a podcast about next week. It's how to make that connection between climate and energy and health. Um, We're in a public health crisis right now, and everyone, policymakers included, have dramatically shifted their priorities, and megawatt hours and bill savings suddenly don't seem as important when you're trying to keep your parents safe and healthy. And we've just allocated billions of dollars for emergency medical services. Um, So, borrowing an analogy from Kathy Koontz in Dane County, Wisconsin, um, it seems like public health and climate action have somehow ended up in separate boxes, which is really interesting because Mm -hmm. The genesis of the energy efficiency industry really did come at some point from clean air legislation. Um, But the metrics we used to talk about the benefits of energy efficiency have changed over the years. So how can we bring them back together and draw a connection again? Um, So we've been thinking about, you know, whether there's opportunities or even imperative to broaden the narrative around the benefits of clean and renewable energy to health outcomes emissions reductions. Um, and actually how those should be measured. I mean, we're used to using um, conversion factors and assumptions about them and and just looking at overall benefits. Is it time to really think about what we should be measuring rather than modeling? Um, and then another um, another angle of this is the distribution of these benefits, the idea of distributive justice. I think the data that we gain from this period will really show us how we as a society are able to serve the people most in need. Um, So, you know, in this time, how are um, power services benefits being distributed to the most vulnerable people in disadvantaged communities? And that's certainly something the energy industry has been thinking about for the past few years. uh, Before COVID-19, several states had legislation aimed at serving disadvantaged communities. And I think um, going forward, stakeholders across the country will want to see more and more of this data and more proof that we're serving the most vulnerable and those traditionally underserved.
0: That's great, Amanda. And such um, food for thought, kind of thinking ahead. Um, Was someone going to say something?
1: This is Lauren. I was just going to make one um, additional comment based on Amanda's... Point, and it's a little bit of a sidestep from it. But I do think it'll be really important from an analytic side and from a like thinking side to make sure that whatever we're doing, whether it's modeling, whether it's thinking through metrics, whether it's um, thinking through how we're interpreting our customers responses, that we're doing it in the context of the environment that we sit now and in the future. And that's going to probably look really different, like the questions that we asked pre COVID-19 and people's response to that may be really different in another year. And we need to be thinking about what does that mean? And instead of making jumps from, you know, within our box um, to that analogy, making sure we're accounting for both boxes and taking um, accounting for what people are experiencing or what our energy uses experience or buildings are experiencing. I, I think that analytics stage is going to be really challenging and really exciting and interesting actually um as we look into the next year. So um to the point of metrics and the boxes, I just wanted to make that point and because I think it'll be um something that we're gonna to have to be careful about um in our interpretation in the future.
0: Absolutely and really push ourselves to reckon with what has changed and not fall back on what was easy, yep. you know, a much easier, which is to take, to treat our world and our work as somehow separate and detached from all these other aspects of people's lives. And to really look at this, the whole person and the whole society and, and how we measure our effects on that. So, you know, with that optimistic note that you all brought forward, I think, in in thinking about the future and the way that this may positively change us, I'd like to ask each of you to share what you see as the silver lining in this. Uh, And I know it's hard to see silver linings in moments like this, but as you've been processing and thinking, what do you see as the silver lining right now?
1: Um, I'll go first. I really think that creativity and thinking outside our box is definitely a silver lining. I don't think change is a bad thing. In fact, I feel like over the past few years, we've been pretty much in a um, moving business as usual in a way that I think uh, really will benefit from being shaken up. I think looking at our research in a different way, thinking about the value of different kinds of research and how it can inform things. I think we're going to see real benefits um, and change in how we do work, and uh, yeah, that would be an exciting thing. That's a really good thing.
2: Um, I, I appreciate that um, that it is a hard topic. It's hard to um, think about silver linings, given the, you know, really the gravity of the situation. Um, I think. Um, what i believe could be a silver lining is um i think the opportunity we have here through collaboration i think um, this has been such a major and um, kind of coincident disruption across all customer segments all groups across you know all areas of the world in that um, in that way i think it maybe better enables collaboration and the breaking down of the silos um, that would have prohibited that. Um, I think what Amanda said is so lovely and important about where once we, you know, maybe started um, in the EE realm together with public health, and now we found ourselves so separated. You know, this might be our opportunity to come back to that and and create new opportunities through like a renewed um, and deeper collaboration.
3: Yeah, Jess, it is hard to see. Um... These silver linings as the gravi- gravity of this situation increases as we see the death toll rise. I mean, I think week two of this, um, you know, I was seeing, you know, so many people reconnecting with what's important to them, resetting their priorities, um, you know, just starting to reorganize their lives to do what matters. Um, and I think people are still doing that, um, but we're going to lose a lot as we gain that um, but, you know, I do think, you know, in terms of how we um, engage, communicate with people going forward, it seems like there will be more of an emphasis on really serving people, really trying to find out what people need and how to serve them with with what's most important to them in the moment, you know, not just trying to provide ideas for things they could do if they have extra money, but really focusing on, okay, what does this business need to stay in business to keep people employed? What does this family need to be able to pay their bills? Um, And I think that'll be helpful for, you know, getting us back to what matters most.
4: Thank you, Amanda. And Um, And Jess and Laura, I just agree so strongly with everything that you've all um, said and to echo that, you know, it is really hard to think about silver linings in this moment. But I think that one, the two things that I want to bring forward is that I think that one of the things that's really hardest about this is the ways in which inequalities, social inequalities are um, really being laid bare. Um, and we can see even things like our team trans- was able to transition to work from home pretty easily. Other people's work does not transition so easily. Um, I know people who've lost jobs, who've lost shifts, who are not certain of their ability to pay their bills in a way that I'm very lucky. That's, that's not um, a concern I'm having in the moment. And so just thinking through with this greater recognition that I think a lot of people are having uh, around inequality, is there an opportunity to address that? Because a lot of this inequality was not, is not new, it's not caused by COVID, um, but perhaps there's more, um, will be more. My hope is that there will be um, changes that can happen, that can be created, that can be thinkable, to Laura's point about creativity, that wouldn't have been thinkable before um, in light of this disaster. and. And the other thought is around, you know, we've talked about climate change and and the need for dramatic and radical action if we're going um, to avoid some of the the most awful um, climate catastrophe. And, you know, we've seen radical and dramatic action in the last two weeks. And not that I would ever have wished for this um, or would wish for this again, but I do think that there's something about the changes that you know, millions and billions of people have been making that if you had said six months ago this is going to happen, I think people would have said that's absolutely impossible, there's no way, and, um, and we've made them. And so um, what that means for thinking through addressing climate change I think is, um, I don't know, maybe there's something hopeful.
0: Thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. And I do feel like I need to say to you all uh, that I really have taken so much um, inspiration in just the work that you all are doing, the way that um, this group on this podcast has really leaned into this challenge and done so with incredible compassion and attention to humanity and to the work and to the humanity of our clients and the ways in which they're scared and working hard and we're all sort of collectively processing what feels like, you know, as we discussed internally at a loom, this sort of shared grief of our changing environment, but But that you've been able to step forward um, with both compassion and vulnerability and um, made the time and the space to have these conversations and I feel Uh, in many ways that um, you all are very much my silver lining and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you guys for being on this call and for taking the time to have these conversations. I appreciate you. So thank you to all of our listeners. We hope to see you next week um, and our next webinar and at our next podcast, where we are going to be sharing a memo that we've pulled together um, that will really help our clients think about how our metrics are changing and how the ways that we think about measuring what's important about energy efficiency programs might be changing in light of COVID-19, but also more urgently for you um, to provide you with some thoughts on how to triage your ongoing and near-term research and evaluation efforts in order to better optimize the findings from your investments while also remaining in compliance with all of the regional and federal guidance that you're receiving in this moment. And we know that um, there's plenty of guidance being issued. Uh, But most importantly, as you've probably picked up from the tone of this webinar, that um, we also remain empathetic and thinking about the needs of customers in this moment and um, really centering them in the decisions we're making about how to move forward and hopefully supporting you in, in making those decisions to preserve all of the good work that you're doing as we move through this. So thank you all. Keep an eye out for these upcoming things. And we really do look forward to continuing the conversation with you. This podcast was created by a Loom's production team. Theme music by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you and see you next time.